As I best, as I best can recall, I first started dealing with grief when I was age six. That was really my first encounter, I guess you could say, with grief. And it was on the occasion of my grandmother's death. And when you're age six, you don't necessarily have a particularly great grasp on grief. You don't know necessarily even what you're, what you're dealing with. You don't understand it. But here's what I knew. I knew my grandmother was gone, a woman that I deeply, deeply loved and adored. I knew she was no more. Now, how long did it last? I don't know. It may have lasted a year or so when Christmas time would come around and grandmother wasn't there. Regardless of that, that was really my first encounter with grief. And, I, and it's interesting to me that grief has shown itself since that time in many different ways. You know, it has uh, it's come up in a variety of ways. For example, uh, the death of a family member. It has shown itself in the loss of a job. It has shown itself in national sorrow, I guess you could say, when there are certain things that happen nationally that bring grief. Maybe, maybe you've experienced things like that as well. Maybe it's something like we grieve over separation. We grieve over a divorce. We grieve over a job loss. We grieve over a change of location, what our future looks like, the, the uncertainty of it all. And when you think about grief, I, one, of, one of the natural responses is, what do we do with it? How do we, how do we deal with this? What do I do next? Because grief is, is something that every one of us will face at some point in our lives. And I believe that God has answers for us in regards to grief. So pray with me if you would. Lord, thank you for today. And I pray that you would help us, that you would encourage us and strengthen us as well as challenges from your word this morning. We give you thanks and praise for your presence in this place. And I pray that you will even, be, even now begin to bring healing and help in each of our lives in Jesus' name, I pray. As we have done over the past few weeks, try to present some realities. And I, wanted, and I want to do that again. So the first reality is this, that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve. Think about this for a moment. We're told in our culture, essentially, big boys don't cry. Okay? Big boys don't cry. We, we're, we're told that we, can, we should hide our emotions because when we don't, we're showing signs of weakness. And there really isn't anything farther from the truth. And then you add to it, if you are a Christ follower this morning, and we begin to grieve over something, we think, well, maybe I shouldn't because I should be stronger as a follower of Christ. I, I shouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with. I shouldn't be hurting as I am. And then we might even feel guilty about walking through a grieving season. And I would suggest in this first thought this morning that it's okay to grieve. And so if you need permission to grieve today, I want you to listen to a passage of scripture from John chapter 11. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. 
They replied, come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, there's a lot going on in that short period, that short passage of scripture. And the thought of Jesus wept, there's a lot in that as well. But there's one thing that cannot be overlooked. Jesus was grieving over a friend he had lost. And he was, he understood it. He was troubled in his spirit about a lot of things, but he wept. He openly grieved his friend. So it's okay to grieve. The second reality is grief is a common human experience. All of us grieve. All of us grieve. John chapter 16, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It is a simple reality that all of us are going to grieve. It is a common human experience. It comes at different levels. It comes at different times, yes, but it is a common human experience. Many of us, many of us will never achieve the highs of success and notoriety that we have worked for our whole life but all, but we all will experience grief. Let that sink in a moment. We will all experience grief. It will happen. Grief is a reality for all of us. And at some point in our lives, we're going to experience it. It's common and should not take us by surprise. Third, we shouldn't grieve alone. We shouldn't grieve alone. Now, I hope you hear this and get this deep into your heart this morning. A burden shared is a burden lightened. One more time. A burden shared is a burden lightened. I can't tell you what isolation does when we are in a difficult place. And grief, certainly. When we isolate ourselves, I would just say that life becomes very dark. It becomes very dark. And in fact... The dark is darker when you're alone. So don't be. Don't be. We cannot, we, we dare not walk through life and the grief experiences of our life, which all of us will share, we should never do that alone. That is a, that is a place where the enemy can wreak havoc in our lives. But light, when we come into the light, when we bring things to the light, God does all miracle after miracle after miracle of healing and help and he brings wholeness into our lives Romans chapter 12 says when others are happy be happy with them if they're sad share their sorrow share each other's burdens and in this way you obey the law of Christ now if you look at that from both sides I do believe it's important for us as followers of Christ when we know someone who is experiencing grief, let's be willing to come alongside them. Let's be willing. Let's be open. If we are on the side of grief, if we're experiencing grief, let's be open to allow someone in to our lives, to not push anyone away. Fourth, grief is a process. It's a process. Now, as a lady, a, a gal by the name of doctor, as a matter of fact, shouldn't just be that, be that um, simplistic in my description. Her name was Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. <clears throat> Dr. Ross did an extensive amount of research on death and the process of death and the aftermath of death. And in that, she developed what has been commonly termed as the five stages of grief. Now, these five stages of grief, here's what's really unfortunate. Some have interpreted her research as being 
that it is a very linear process. And that you cannot progress from one of these stages until that one's done to the next. And after, and after, her, after she published her work, she was very disappointed that individuals took that particular result because that's not what she intended. What she intended was she is identifying certain things that in the grief process we experience. And here's what's interesting. We can experience all five of these. There may be more. There may be six, seven, nine, twelve. And we may never experience any in this order. We may feel like we're done with one go on to another one, and then we go back to the one that we just felt like we finished. I thought I was, you weren't. Because it's not a linear, it's not a linear process, but it is a process. It's a process. And, and often when we look at process, we think that the process has got to progress quickly, neatly. It's got to be tidy. We've got to tie up all the loose ends. Everything's got to be good. Okay, then I, No. Not with grief. In a period of grief in my own life that I experienced, I would find myself years after the event, revisiting that event, finding myself in a place of absolute, I was in tears. In fact, I was on, on the phone to one of my, to my, to the individual who was walking me through this process. And I told him, I said, I don't know what's going on. And I explained it. He said, Gary, what do, you, what do you think it is? And I said, I have no idea. He said, is it kind of the same time of the year? And I went, that's it. And I hadn't even recognized that a period of time that I was experiencing this trauma was about the same time I was walking through the event that took us, took us into a place of grief. And so I revisited all of these things again, again and again for years after the event. It's a process. Don't limit that process. And I found an interesting passage of scripture and it, it struck me as being really important. Psalm, excuse me, Psalm, Genesis 50. Genesis 50, verses seven to 10. Look at this. So Joseph went up to bury his father. He was accompanied by all of Pharaoh's officials and all the senior members of Pharaoh's household and all the senior officers of Egypt. Joseph also took his entire household and his brothers in their households. But they left their little ones, the, the little children and flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. A great number of chariots and charioteers accompanied Joseph. When they arrived at the, the, the threshing floor of Etad, near the Jordan River, they held a great and solemn memorial service with a seven-day period of mourning for Joseph's father. I never thought about it until I until I was starting to plan and, and study for this topic this morning. A seven-day period of mourning. It's fascinating. Now, it is cultural, no question. In the Jewish culture, that seven, Shiva, that's what it's called, it was a, a period of time that there was lamentation and despair that was expressed after the death of a very significant family member or friend. But this seven embraces, listen to this, embraces a time when individuals discuss their loss and accept the comfort of others. It is a process. They had formalized that process, but nonetheless, it's a process. We have to learn through that. And then the fifth, the fifth reality is to grieve 
doesn't mean things are hopeless. One more time. To grieve, it doesn't mean things are hopeless. And often our grief can easily turn to a sense of hopelessness. But it doesn't have to be. If we go back for just a second to the stages of grief, depression is a commonly accepted form of grief. It represents, listen to this, it represents the emptiness we feel when we're living in and realize the person or situation is gone or, or over. You might withdraw from life. Might feel numb. Live in a fog. And not even want to get out of bed. The world might seem too much and too overwhelming for you to face. You don't want to be around others. You don't feel like talking and experience feelings of hopelessness. I get it. I get it. Been there. Done that. But there is always hope when we allow God to be involved in the process. When we push God outside of the process, hopelessness rises. But when we keep God in the center of the process, there is hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, have hope, both for this life and for eternity, because of Christ. Because of Christ. So today, we're going to have a story of hope. Grief and loss, but there's hope, and there's life as well in this process. So I want to invite Danette Kisler to join me. And we're going to chat a little bit about grief. Would you welcome Danette, please, as she comes? Really, really excited about the opportunity. Thank you, Danette. And, you know, Danette, it is, uh, you and I have talked extensively about our gathering today. Yes. And excited about what the Lord is going to say through you to us and how we can benefit from your story and so, Danette, tell us, tell us a little bit about your, you know, your own personal story, how, how you're a part of Crossroads Church and all of that. Give us, get us back up to speed. And there are some here who may not know the story, but we'd love to hear it. Okay. So, when Pastor Gary asked me to, um, you asked me months ago, probably like six months ago, um, to tell my story, I was like, wow, you know, your story can go back quite far. So I know, um, Gary, you were saying, go ahead and tell where it began sure. with, with Wayne and I, my husband, Wayne. So we, um, we met in our youth group in, um, at Elsinore First Assembly back in 1986. We were 80s, um, teens. I love the 80s. Um, so I was like, you know, we had a a fairly small youth group, about 20 people, and I was like, hey, who's that guy? I always said he was strikingly handsome, and I was like, um, I want to get to know him. So he, he was funny. He was funny. He made everybody laugh, and that's, like, super important to me. I love someone with a sense of humor. So long story short, um, and there's going to be a photo on the screen of our first picture together. Um, word got out that I had a crush on Wayne, and um, word got out from my friend Denise 
So thank you, Denise. Um, and then the very next day, Wayne asked me out after a um, kids musical at church. And so we were sophomores in high school and we dated for a little over four years. So during those four years, um, I discovered a lot about Wayne, you know, Hopefully we discovered a lot about each other. Um, besides being fun and loving, he was, uh, I found out he was very faithful. He, he had committed his life to the Lord during that time, during youth group. And um, he was serious about his relationship with God and devoted to growing in the Lord. And so I'm like, this guy's the real deal, right? <laughs> um, whatever he set out to do, he uh, did it with all his heart. Um, he gave it his all. And like the message yesterday at the, the, women's, um, the women's conference was all in. I would say Wayne was one of those all in type of individuals. To the point, and this is kind of funny, he had many talents and skills because, you know, he, he, um, he wanted to learn and like I said, he was all in. So he, um, at one point when we were dating, he actually replaced uh, the engine in my Honda Civic. And the engine had blown and he was in mechanics at school back in the day when they had that. And so I was like, ooh, this guy, I'm gonna keep him around. He's a good one. <laughs> so the next photo will show our, our wedding picture, one of them. We got married in uh, April of 1991 and we were married for 26 years and he was the love of my life. Um, some more pictures. We have four amazing kids, three sons and one daughter, and they're all here today. Why don't so. you guys stand up? Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. We need the, we need the present picture, too. We need the pictures on this. There we go. All right. Thank you, guys. They're a lot bigger now. <laughs> so these are some of the early days of our, our family pictures um, as the kids were growing up. Uh, Wayne loved these guys so much. He bragged on them all the time. I would always hear from his friends, you know, he talked about your kids all the time. He loved them so much. He was a hands-on dad. He was lots of fun. Um, and, you know, Wayne and I did our best to raise our family as a team. Um, you know, that's just the way we wanted God at the center, and we're a team. So we did our best to do that. But we always said, all by God's grace, you know, his hand upon our lives is the way we could do that. So our kids have been the biggest blessings of our lives. They still are. So, um, and I have a few more pictures. I'm sorry. You said, you know, this is the story. It's so. fine. We need to know the story. Absolutely. <laughs> a few more pictures um, are now pictures. So the next picture shows uh, our oldest, Zach. Uh, he's 26 and his beautiful wife, Marina. They've been married for five years now. Time has flown. And from them, God has blessed me and made me become a Mimi. I'm a Mimi to Zephaniah. He's three and a half. And Matthias is in the front with little bruised knees. These guys are, <laughs> these guys are rough. They're so awesome. Um, and he's 21 months old. The biggest, biggest blessing to me. Um, they've been joy in the midst of my sorrow for sure. Yes. And the next photo will show Kai. And he is um, 24 and married to the amazing Yuli. And they've been married almost three years. So I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for more blessings to come. No rush, but you know. So um, <laughs> then the next post picture shows Sam and Miley together. Um, our youngest son, Sam, is 20, and he's at Vanguard University and doing very well. And our daughter, Miley, is 18. My gosh. She's involved in kids' ministry and youth ministry here, and she'll be on her way to Vanguard 
also. You seen. know, Danette, incredible family, and I, I love seeing the pictures, as I know we all do. There's something special about pictures. Well, four years ago, um, you and I had chatted about this. I won't go into it, but I remember exactly where I was when I got a text about something that had occurred, and it uh, was a life-changing moment uh, for you and for your family. And really, I guess I can say it this way. Uh, maybe you and I and would have sat down and had a conversation about something at some point for whatever, mm -hmm. but probably never saw this day yeah. under these conditions. Right. So take us back to that, kind of set that up for us as to what happened and to why, really to why we're here talking about grief today. Okay. Well, um, I forgot to mention we came to Crossroads in 2010. So we've been here about 11 years. And Wayne was on staff. He joined staff here in 2014. Um, and this is our church home and our church family. So um, going back four years ago, in July of 2017, we had went up to um, Crestline to stay at a cabin, at one of our friend's cabins for the week. And um, so the second day we were there, we went down to, to Lake Gregory so the kids could swim. And my best friend Diane and her two sons, Jeremy and Jacob, um, came up for us, or came up to, the, to spend the day with us and hang out. So we, we all went down to the lake and um, you know, kids were like, let's, get, let's go, let's go swimming. And so I was sitting chatting with my friend Diane and, and Wayne's like, getting ready to go in and I'm like, hey, you going in already? And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go check it out. And uh, so he went in the water and those were the last words that I heard him say. So It um, was a, I know um, as, as they were swimming across the lake, uh, you know, there was obviously some kind of an episode that yeah. that occurred that was unexpected. Right. It wasn't something that anybody necessarily knew about, correct? Right. We we found out later after the fact that Wayne had a heart condition that okay. we didn't know about, and he had had a, a heart episode. Okay. And and didn't make it across, so we lost him that day. So from that point, what what was the next? I mean, obviously, I can't even I can't even imagine the as I said, it's a life, it's a life changing moment. Everything, everything changes, everything yeah. pivots at that moment. Yeah. And I know the church in Lake Gregory, uh, was, uh, very, very just, they did so much for you guys yes. and that was cool. And, but from that point, what, what was, there were a lot of details to take care of, obviously with, uh, final arrangements and all of those things mm -hmm. and memorial service and the like. What did you do at that point after kind of moving through that process of, of the initial shock and, and so forth? Then what are some of the things that began to occur at that point? I think, um, like you said earlier, about being in that fog, you're yeah. um, this disoriented for a while. You know, someone that was there in your life for so long is, is gone. And, yeah. and that's a huge adjustment. And you're, um, it just feels like you're in a fog um, and disbelief, like you don't believe, is this a bad dream? There's confusion, um, chaos. That's how yeah. I can explain it with the, the different emotions. Um, I can say that we had amazing, like you talked about the, the church up in 
in um, Crestline. Crestline. And then yeah. also when we came back, um, just tremendous support and love from our church family and our friends, uh, just walking with us, praying with us. Um, we felt loved and cared for in a way that we've never seen before. And so, you know, it, it was a huge loss for us. Um, the most pain I can say for myself that I've ever felt in my life. Um, as a mom, <laughs> the hardest thing is, and any parents out there, you know, this is true, to, to see your kids walk through pain is <laughs> horrible. And you want to protect them and shield sure. them, you know, as sure. parents. Sure. And that's the hardest thing, I think, for me. Um, and I wanted to fix it, but this is something that I couldn't fix for them because I couldn't fix it for myself. I, I figured out as we walked along that we have to walk through it. Right. And so we had to trust God through the process, like you were talking about a process. Um, I will say that, you know, I would talk to the kids and they all felt that covering of God's peace. Yeah. And so um, right in the middle of your pain and chaos, you know, God is there. And um, I learned this later, like peace and pain coexist. Right. And they're two, two opposites. But that is God covering. And you were talking about, you know, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Um, it's huge when you know Christ and he's there to walk with you. Um, you know, the pain is still great, but right. yet his peace is there covering you. Would it, would it be accurate to say that in the midst of the pain and walking this process and the chaos and the, the fog and the numb, did you... Did you see a, a kind of a, the hope? Did you see light at the end? It, it, was that even was it even remotely there? I think um, I think as a Christian, I already knew there is hope. I knew where Wayne was, and I knew we'd see him again. And I knew this wasn't the end. I, I felt that deep in my spirit. Hold on that just a second, because that's that's extraordinarily profound. Because here we are, and I just as we as a just the common commonality of our conversation as followers of Christ there's something deep down within us mm -hmm. that registers that yeah. that kind of blips we kind of know it's there even though mm -hmm. there's hurt yeah. there's tears there's sorrow there's questions there's yeah. it's still there is that would that be an yeah. accurate picture of that absolutely um I think that the many, when you're going through grieving, and many of you have experienced this, the, the array of emotions is, like you were talking about those different, um, like through the process, you go back one, you go forward, and, and you're, um, the emotions can sometimes feel like they're consuming you. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about the dark places. So um, I experienced, of course, you know, the, the regular things that anybody going through grief would, the denial, like, I don't want to be going through this. This wasn't my plan, this wasn't our plan. Um, just the sadness, loneliness, the disappointment that yeah. I felt. Yeah. Um, anger, I, I felt anger. Um, fear and uncertainty of the future. But you were talking about the dark place. So yeah. um, in Grief Share, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but we talk about, um, you know, this is one of the darkest times of your life. And sometimes if you let that consume you. But they were, they were given the analogy of, someone down, like say you're in a basement and it's completely dark, right? And, um, and you, that's where you're at. 
So that's what you're experiencing. But um, outside, it's still light. So the light is still there. And um, God, God never has, he's never left. He's yeah. still there. And so sometimes the emotions and all of the things can cloud your vision of, of seeing God at those times, but he's still there. And so that's important to remember. Um, I questioned, like you said, I had questions, why now? What, you know, what's the meaning of this? Like, sure. why, why would he have to go now when sure. there's so much left to do? I felt like we served the Lord and, um, and he, he loved the Lord, he loved people. Um, so why? You know, there's yeah. a lot of questions right. why. Right. So, well, you know, if the, the what if questions, the, you know, the why, why now, all of those questions, what did, so you, you've walked this pathway so far, you're, you're, you're dealing with kind of the darkness. So how did you, how did you move beyond, how did you move beyond that? What was, what was kind of the next step or kind of the question you say, what if, what now, what next? Mm -hmm. What, what, what was that for you? So, um, sorry. So personally, I felt like that I, I needed to go somewhere that I could get help, right? Sure. And um, uh, many of you know Lori LaCrosse. Um, she's one of my good friends that she, she walked through a lot with me during those first, you know, I mean, she still does, but she was instrumental in helping me through my grief. She's lost a spouse. And um, she, she mentioned Grief Share, and um, I never heard of it before. And it's a, a, a grief support group. And so there were several in the area, and I chose to um, join one of those groups, like midway through. The, it's a 13-week um, uh, group. So I did that, and um, because I, I felt, you know, I knew God was with me, but I felt like I need something to, to help me, like tools yeah. Yeah. and encouragement from people who... Right are going through the same thing. And so I went and I found out I, I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> These emotions that I felt like were overwhelming me and like you were talking about guilt, all, all sorts of an array of, of different things you go through, but they were all a normal part of grief. Right. And so right. that was so helpful. Right. Um, I, I learned that grief is personal because I thought, well, what could, you know, people don't know my situation. They don't know exactly what I'm going through. But even though every person's grief was different, they would go through so many of the same things. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, these, these people know what I am talking about. So um, I learned a lot. I learned that there's a healthy way and an unhealthy way to grieve. Um, and they called it grief work. And I'm like, I, I don't want to work any more than I am already. <laughs> grief is yeah. not only emotional, it's, it's yeah. mental, it's physical. You physically feel. At one point, I... Um, my heart just hurt, and I actually went to the doctor, I, and they're like, you know, there's a thing called broken heart syndrome or whatever. I physically, my heart hurt. Sure. And there was so much pain. And so grief work, I'm like, no, that's like, I'll sit and listen. I want grief peace, not grief work, yeah. right? <laughs> we yeah, we don't want to work anymore. Exactly. But they were talking about, you know, allowing yourself to go to those places of pain so that you can be healed, and that, that made sense to me. They say, lean into the pain. And I'm like, oh boy. But you have to realize that at the same time you're leaning into that. At the same time you're leaning into the pain, you're leaning into God. Yeah. Because he's there. Yeah. And he feels it with you. That's, that's an extraordinary truth. Um, so you go to grief, you go to grief share for 
the 13 weeks, what, what did God do during that period of time? Obviously, there's tremendous amount of healing, restoration that's happening. We kind of understand that. But there was something more that grew out of that yeah. in your own personal life. What, what was that? So I, um, I actually went through Grief Share the second time because I joined in the middle. And um, I, I felt like, you know, God, God wants to do something. I know that anytime we go through pain or anytime I've been through pain in my life, I know that God will use it to help someone else. Mm. And so um, they, uh, in Grief Share, they talk a lot about moving on, moving not moving on, but moving forward. Yeah. So there's a big difference between moving on and moving forward. Um, we, moving on would be forgetting our loved one, which sure. I will never forget. Sure. Of course. <laughs> he will always be a part of me. And so moving forward is choosing life and all of the blessings that we have right in front of us. And so I knew there was more to come. Um, um, Another, I will mention a couple helpful things for me was going to counseling um, and journaling as well. That's huge because you can look back and and see where God has taken you, you know, from the raw emotions and and different things into more of a gratitude and a thankfulness that God was there. Um, But over, you know, um, the last four years, I feel like, you know, in our family, that God has, he has met every need that we've had. He's been faithful to us. And we always knew God is faithful. But there's something so special that when God walks through you, with you, um, and shows and proves his faithfulness in, from the smallest ways to the biggest ways. Uh, he knows, he just knows the details of our lives. And, um, that is, it's just huge. I just, I feel like our family is drawn closer together. Mm. Um, well, probably because I'm telling my kids, you better not move away. <laughs> <laughs> but not only physically closer, but, you know, um, there's a bond there that God has created. Yeah. So you walk through some counseling, you go through two sessions of grief share. Yes. But then God puts something in your heart that... Yes. I remember the day you made a, you texted me or uh, emailed me and said, hey, could we sit down and chat about something? Yes. And I said, sure. And yeah. then tell, me, tell us what that was. I, many of us, many know, but yeah. what, what is that process? Or what, was, what is it? What was the outcome of that? There we go. Um, so I, I felt like, um, you know, God was calling me to start a grief share here. And um, so I... Um, I, you know, my dependence on God has grown so much over the last four years where um, that when, even when little things come up, I know that I take it to him or sometimes I don't even pray right away. You know, us, we're like, ah, we try everything else before we come to God sometimes. But um God, he has been so faithful, and um, I've just learned that I can trust him and depend on him for everything. He doesn't let me go, I always say, he doesn't let me go too far into worry or Mm -hmm. getting anxious and that sort of thing, because I know he's going to take care of it. And that's just, I think that's just his covering and his goodness to me. Um, So when I thought about, it took me about a year 
to um, pray and be like, God, is this really what you want me to do? And um, I just knew he was, he would, he wasn't going to leave me. You know, he, he was going to help me and and provide everything that I needed. So um, when God calls you to do something, he's going to equip you and he's going to provide everything you need to do that for him. And he did. Um, (laughs) I, um, I wrote, you know, a heartfelt letter to a few people that I knew had been through grief, and I emailed it out within 24 hours, like three, because they didn't know I was going to start yeah. grief. We were going to start grief share here, right. and um, within 24 hours, three of them were like, "Yes, yes, yes." Yeah. <laughs> and I said, um, just like Heidi said, she wanted a sign. <laughs> like, okay, God, <laughs> there's my sign, and. I could not do it without those wonderful grief share leaders, and some of them are here today, and yeah. I appreciate them so much. Um, so we started our first 13-week session of grief share in the spring of 2020. Um, with all 2020 that was great timing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was perfect timing, yeah. right? So we ended up having to um, first we did our first three sessions, I believe, was in person, and then we had to go conference calling, and then we did Zoom in the fall. So since then, we've had a total of four sessions, and we're in our fourth session now. Um, And we've had, I counted the other day, you know, some people have joined again. Sure. So I didn't even count those people, but in two years, it's been 40 people who have um, come through the Grief Share Ministry. That's 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 amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And 40 people who are journeying this yes. process yes. and because of your obedience to what the Lord had put on your heart from a difficult place yes. still willing to say Lord you've not failed yeah. you've been faithful yeah. you're leading me I'll follow mm-hmm. and look what God has done yes. so for those who may be here this morning dealing with, in the process of grief wherever that is mm-hmm. um, what would, what, would you, what would you say to them this morning? So we have, um, actually, there's, there's quite a few that are here today from, from our current group. And um, I, I am honored to be able to walk, and our, our team to walk through grief with, with yes. these wonderful people. Um, I would say... If you're walking this hard road right now, I had three points at the end because there's three different kinds of people. The ones that are walking right now um, that, you know, turn to God, first of all. You may not even know God, um, but he's, he's the one that created us and he knows uh, every detail like I was saying. And he's the one that's, he's the one that you can cry out to and... Um, even though he already knows he wants us to cry out to him. Yeah. So um, he's the one that can heal us. And so I would suggest that and also to join a grief share group or a grief support ministry group and not to walk through this alone. Um, the support is tremendous that, yeah. that you receive, yeah. you know, when you're walking with somebody who's been through it. Um, I will say this. Um, that if you haven't walked through the death of a loved one, you know, someone close to you yet, like you said, everyone will at some point. Um, before I lost Wayne, it was like, what do I say to, to this person? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And many of us have compassion and love, like we wanna help, but we just don't know how, but, um, and you can, you can show your love and care in so many ways, but sometimes, some, when you're going through grief, you just want someone to show up. You want someone to be there for you. And um, your words may be few because you don't know what to say, but your presence with that person is powerful. Yes. yes. So. Outstanding. And I'm getting teary because there's been so many people who have been there for us. Um, if you've already walked through grief and you've experienced God's healing, I would say... Um, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. So use that pain for a purpose of comforting mm. other people. Mm. And um, there's, like you said, there's healing and there's, we, we call it our grief journey because a journey takes yeah. you somewhere. Um, there is healing yeah. at the end of this journey. There's healing through it. And we have a hope not only here, but in eternity yeah. and to, a hope to look forward to. Danette, I cannot tell you how grateful I am uh, that you've been willing to share with us today. And since you sat down a few moments ago and we started, there's just been something running through my mind that I feel would be wrong for me not to share. I don't know how many times over the past four years and certainly less in the last two than in the first two after Wayne passed, that I would say to Marcy or I would think to myself of how remarkable your journey is and how godly you have faced every, everything that you have walked through. The godliness in your approach to this incredibly unforeseen tragedy and difficulty has just been an incredible statement of your character, of the godliness of your life, the foundation of your life in Christ. What a testimony you have. You. And I want to tell you something. God is using you dynamically to bring help, hope, and life to those who are hurting. We love you. Love You're appreciated. <laughs> And we are so grateful that you're a part of Crossroads Church. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you, you and for all you do. That's my honor. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you, Danette. Just, just awesome. Just awesome. And I need to say the same thing to the family. You guys have just been awesome. It's been an amazing journey. And a journey I wish we hadn't had to have. But in the midst of all of that, blessings to you. As we bring our time to a close this morning, I want to leave you with a passage of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We're under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Just a few thoughts to kind of bring this together. The first thought is this. In the process of grief and grieving, make worship a priority. One of the things that I think we have seen in Danette and their family is they continued to worship. They continued to draw ever closer to God. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. Out of tragedy, David had lost a son. And you'll read this. Then David got up after the baby had died. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotion, changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. Often, in our midst of grief, the tendency could be to draw ever farther away. But it is important to draw ever closer to God and to the things of God. The second observation is that ask God to reveal his purpose as we grieve. Danette did that very clearly. You know, in fact, one of the, the phrases that she mentioned is that I'm not moving on. It's, it's not moving on. It's moving forward. And as, diffi as difficult as this season may be, and as difficult as it is for us to just recognize this truth, it remains true. God has a purpose for everything that we experience and every season in life. It's not the what if or the why me, but it is the what next. God has a purpose for you even in grief and he will reveal it in his times. He also said something along this line. If I must go through the pain, it has to be worth something. And there is worth in our pain. Third, it's be patient in the process. Be patient in the process. Grief is a process. It takes time. Be patient. Third, or number four, rely on God, not yourself. Dependence on God she said, dependence on God has grown tremendously. Psalm 46, God is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need him. He will deliver. He is our hope. And number five, maintain a posture of gratitude. And I think as all of those things, you look at them, you go, okay, but how do I, how can I maintain a posture of gratitude? It's not being grateful for what happened, but it's being grateful for God's faithfulness, his goodness, his presence, his care, his love, the family of God that he provides. Here's the deal. Grief is no respecter of persons. Every one of us will experience grief at some point. But remember, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We grieve, but with the hope that Christ provides for us. Father, thank you for these moments together this morning.
And I pray that as we bring this time to a conclusion, that you'll help us in the process where we may be grieving. Lord, each person in their own particular season of grief, Lord's processing things differently. They're, they're just different places, trying to figure out what is next. And they can't make heads or tails. They can't find purpose or they can't find reason. And they're in that fog. They're in that dark place. Things are numb. That It hurts. There's anger. There's, there's all sorts of emotion. But God, if there's one thing that could be heard this morning, I pray that it's this. There's hope in you. You bring life. You bring help to us as we reach out to you. So Lord, let us put our trust and our reliance in you. Look to you for, for our strength and for our help. And Lord, in this, in this moment of difficulty and pain and trouble and sorrow and distress and despair and grief, I pray, Lord, we would take a next step. And we would find those who could walk with us and find the help that you have made available to us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.